If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Let's party, baby. It's a beautiful Thursday. By beautiful, I mean frigid, but that's okay. I'm happy, I'm excited. Things are good. I'm eating healthier for the new year. I know everyone has a New Year's resolution of eating healthier, losing weight, working out. Guess what I had today for a snack? You bet your ass it was an apple. Apple and yogurt, baby. We're getting fit, Dylan. Fit stew coming at you. Guess what I had for breakfast? A pear. The Rick Ross diet, baby. We'll see how long this lasts. Maybe maybe a day. Maybe two. Probably not long, though. Realistically, I'm sure those taquitos from Quick Trip will be calling my name pretty soon. Uh, Jordan Foote will be calling him pretty soon. As he'll join the show in the second segment right around 3.15. Dylan, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Hanging in there. The week is almost over, and that is a godsend. Let's just call it that. Wow, you've been busy, huh? Yep. Wow, Dylan is is zero mood for having fun today. Apparently, Dylan is all work. Haven't you heard the saying, "Dylan, all work, no play," makes Sterling very sad? I thought it was Jack a dull boy. I don't know, man. I, I get those confused all the time. I'm not good with mo- uh, with movie quotes. Not my uh, not my style. Uh, I will say. In a game coming up this weekend against the Chargers, Week 18, Game 17. A game where Mahomes ain't playing, where Travis Kelsey might be only in to get 16 yards, where Chris Jones, I would have to imagine, is sitting based on if they're going to pay him his bonus, where you're not going to see a lot of Rasheer starters. What do you look for? Do you look for how good does Blaine Gabbert look? Or do you look for some of the more underlying storylines? Do you look at what is Daneric Prince? Now, Dylan, I don't know if you remember going into the season, not necessarily you or me, but a lot of fans were, were saying Daneric Prince is the next Isaiah Pacheco. Daneric Prince, what, what was the comp? What, what, what were people saying Daneric Prince looked like? I forget who it was. There, there was like a, it wasn't Jamal Charles, but it, there, there was a certain player that, and it was like, come on, man. You're talking about a, a perennial all-pro, not a UDFA. But we pumped the brakes. But Eric Prince most likely is going to get a lot of play in this game. If there's one dude outside of the core of Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones who I don't want to play in this game, it's Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco had off-season shoulder surgery, and then, of course, had shoulder surgery just a couple weeks ago, came back last week, had a, a phenomenal game. How angry and physical he runs, coupled with the shoulder issues he's already sustained 
as the Chiefs head into the playoffs and have relied heavily on him. He played 93% of snaps last game. 93% of snaps at a running back uh, position is absurd in the year 2023-2024. So giving him some rest is paramount. So using Generic Prince a ton in this game, to me, makes a lot of sense. Even guys like Clyde, I know he's been injured. Rest him more. Uh, Jerick McKinnon, who's been injured on the eye, rest him more. Roll with Daenerys Prince and the occasional Michael P. Run. I would like to see what Daenerys Prince is going to bring to the table. I know Pacheco's 65 yards away from 1,000 yards, but 65 is a good chunk of yards. 65 yards is not the 16 yards that Kelsey needs. 65 yards for a running back you might not get in a given game. How many times has Pacheco gone under 65 yards just this year? Um, pulling it up. He's gone over 65. One, two, three, uh, four, five, and he got 66. So six times this year he's gone over uh, 65 yards. Dylan, you want to take that chance? <laughs> No, you don't want to take that chance. I love Pacheco. Sorry, sit him. The odds of him getting 65 yards in a K aren't good enough for the risk-reward of playing a guy who has had not one but two shoulder surgeries. Yeah, I'm out. Uh, Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony. Those are two of the big names that Blaine Gabbard himself brought up in regards to who's going to get some a large amount of PT in this upcoming game. I think Kadarius Tony's the most interesting name to watch. I know he was limited at practice yesterday, but do you still have a feeling that he might be, again, crazy to say, but with how bad the Chiefs wide receivers have been, is there just at least a slight chance that he's the guy that could be a game changer? Because no one else has the measurables. No one else has the athleticism. No one else really has the um, athletic ability nor the separation ability that Kadarius Tony has. The issue is he's got stones for hands, and the between-the-ears issue is looming large. But if you're going to talk about pure talent, isn't he probably top of the list of, of, of a potential game changers? I mean, again, I know there's a lot of first-round wide receivers who have been busts. But he was drafted in the first round for a reason. I mean, Dylan, maybe I'm a little uh, optimistic here. But if you're going to tell me who should I be optimistic about, Justin Ross or Kadarius Tony, I'm going Tony. I'm not even questioning that decision. Where do you land there? I would I would agree because you've seen it before, and he's just again. I think he's just got the Y word the. That rhymes with dips or, you know. Yeah, me with my irons, the yips. There you I'll, go. I'll admit it. Uh, hey, there I get go. the hosel sometimes. It happens. Canarius Tony has the Chuck Knobloch or the Sterling Holmes hosels. It happens. It happens. I just think that's more of it, like a problem that you can fix than making Justin Ross the speed and quickness and ability to make you miss in a phone booth that Canarius Tony brings. Correct. And you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. And by the way, I know people talk about measurables all the time, and, and you know Justin Ross is the uh, the X factor, and you know he would have been a first rounder. No, Dabo Sweeney said he was going to be a first rounder before the injuries. Okay, injuries happened. I know sometimes I'm beating a dead horse with this, but I'm trying to get on the same page with folk. 
Uh, I'm not saying I'm not rooting for Justin. I'm not saying I don't want to see him go out and ball out. What I am saying is if I'm going to choose between which guy is going to step up, Kadarius or Justin, we have seen it from Kadarius. The measurables were enough for him to get drafted first round. There are reasons he was drafted there, and Kadarius Tony injuries included, obviously, was not. Okay? Now, I know Justin Ross is supposedly healthy now. That's great. But healthy now compared to healthy five years ago, again, I always say we're getting to Josh Gordon territory now. Don't compare him to four or five years ago to what he did his freshman, sophomore year at Clemson. Compare him to what he is now. When people had Josh Gordon here in Kansas City, I said, guys, this is not the same Josh Gordon. Why are we acting like it's four or five years ago? It's the same situation here. And I always bring up Kayshawn Booty. Kayshawn Booty for the Patriots, same thing. If you think Justin Ross is going to be a stud in the NFL, you better think Kayshawn Booty is going to be a stud as well. The Patriots wide receiver. And quite frankly, I've said once, I will say yet again, I don't see New England Patriots fans clamoring for Kayshawn Booty to be a superstar. What we're doing right now is people are stuck on hope. They want hope. It almost feels like a Royals fan at this point, right? It feels like Royals fans and myself, me included, when we were so excited about Aldeberto Mondesi, we kept saying if he stays healthy, if this, if that. At some point, it's just potential. At some point, it's sad, but maybe it ain't gonna happen. Until I see it with Kadaria, until I see it with Justin Ross, until I see it, I ain't gonna believe it. Now, if you want some actual uh, statistics, what did he have his first games before he got injured? Before he got suspended, I should say. He dropped two passes. He looked befuddled in the red zone. He wasn't getting separation. The only plays that were thrown the ball to, or the only times he had the ball thrown to him when they were designed for him. Again, not saying he can't do it, but if you have been in the system now, this is your second year, because he was here all of last year. Again, I know he didn't play. You should know the playbook a little better. Same goes for Sky Moore, obviously. You, you would hope these guys are plug-in plays. They're not pl- plug-in plays. Justin Ross has taken over the de facto Jody Fortson red zone threat. He gets, what, 8 to 13 snaps a game, typically coming in the red zone? But he plays like MVS in the red zone. It's like you or me, well, I don't, I don't want to throw Dylan into this. It's like me playing basketball. We play below the rim. It's old Dirk. You see a 7-footer and you go, he must be yamming the ball. Yet it's layups and threes. Justin Ross in the red zone, you look at a guy, you see 6'4", you see the, 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 the hops and the ability he should go up and get it. We haven't seen it yet. We haven't. It is like MVS in the red zone. Again, not saying I don't want to see more opportunity from him. Not saying I don't want to see Justin Ross again. Maybe get some more snaps over MVS. But what I am saying is I ain't going to hold out too much hope for that to happen this season. Again, going between Kadarius and Justin, I do think Kadarius actually has a decent amount to prove. I do wonder how much we will see McCall Hardman as well. McCall Hardman, and to an extent, Richie James will be an interesting situation here because Richie James, I want to see play wide receiver a ton. We haven't seen it, but he is a core special teamer. He is the punt returner. Probably not going to play a ton. McCall Hardman, coming back from injury, Obviously, he shouldn't know the playbook, but that was the uh, <laughs> the knock against him when he left here originally. I wonder how much we will see McCole Hardman. I'm going to ask you this, Dylan. Are you in or out on Travis Kelsey playing to get 16? 
I haven't decided. <laughs> I think he should, but also he missed the first game and is missing the last one, but nobody cares. So, yeah, I think he should. You can't drop a 20-yard route. You know? Yeah, I mean. But on the other side, if he's on the field, they're going to they're gonna triple team him. So. Yeah, I don't. Um, I I don't know where I land. I, I I've I've. If there's any player who needs rest, it's Kelsey. He's been banged up all season long. I mean, he's been injured from from the get go. And on the flip side, if there's any player that's earned the right to make his own decision, it's Kelsey as well. But I wonder if he even wants it. Like, like it, oh yeah, Kelsey seems like to me at this point. I think that. And here's the reason why I think he wants it and why I want it actually as well is because, like, I I don't want it to be about Taylor Swift is the reason why he broke. Because that's what it's going to be from people sure. outside of the team. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be just what he has to deal with all off season basically. And I would rather him just get the 1,000 yards so it's, it is what it is. He keeps it going. The streak is alive. Sure. Call it a stupid reason. Call it whatever you want. I just think that he also wants to keep that streak alive. Sure. That means something to him. Eight years. Eight straight. Because the way that the NFL is going, tight ends are going to have big years in the future. And he's trying to make that happen. So he probably wants that record to be as big and unreachable. It's like Tony Gonzalez with the the overall yards for tight ends, right? I I, I get what you're saying. Anyone. Anyone that's doing that stuff. and where I'm at too is when you look back on a on a on a career, it's totally unfair, completely unfair. But you count seasons of a thousand yards or more. You don't count 984 yards or more. You don't count 900 yards or more. You count a thousand. It's the same reason why I get upset with Legarius Sneed not being a Pro Bowler, right? Because when you look back on on, on careers, I know we understand that all Pro means more. But again, you look back on the box, or you look back on the uh, on the football card, if you will, and uh, you won't see that all pro, that that Pro Bowl. You're going to sit here and say, "Well, he must not have had a great season," which is completely false. We'll take a break. Come back. Be joined by Jordan Foot, Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN at Kansas City. All right, let's do it, baby. Joined now by Jordan Foot. You can follow him on the X at Foot Noted. Foot, how are you? I'm good, buddy. It feels like we uh, haven't talked in a while. Part of that is because we just haven't talked this year. So I'm excited to chat with you, man. Because uh, you ducked me, baby. You duck me. I've never ducked you in my life. You are perpetually ducking me. I get it, man. I I don't blame you. I duck me too. And I'm saying I'm saying duck. I I, I know Dylan's is nervous back there, but it's duck. Okay? I'm saying duck. Quack quack. Um all right, man. Where do you want to start? You're you're a noted Chiefs hater, but you're also a Rams fan. I kind of want to start with the Rams and give you some props here because I was all the way out on the Rams this season. Um, I was like, dude, no, I'm out. They can't do it. But it also helps when you have Puka Nakua just just go off 
potentially setting a all-time rookie receiving yard record. What have you taken away from the bounce back of the Rams this season? It's kind of twofold. Like I did think that this was a seven and ten team that wasn't a playoff club, but also the people that thought they were tanking for Caleb just because they had a bunch of NPCs on defense were a little bit wrong. Now it is. I found it just really difficult to imagine a team with Aaron Donald rejuvenated, Sean McVay rejuvenated, Matt Stafford healthy. Cooper Cup, although he hasn't been healthy, you know, presumably before the season, I was like, that team is not going to throw in the towel and win three, four, five games. Now, when you get older, you're a little bit more susceptible to injury. The draft picks went from bleep those picks to we love those picks. And um, it's just interesting that things came together and really starting off three and four, three and five, it, it didn't look like that. But coming out of the bye, they've caught fire so I I think really just being realistic with not wasting opportunities as a team and I think that's kind of something that um, Chiefs fans can draw a parallel to although this isn't the prototypical Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes level team it's still impressive enough and I think because the conference isn't that great you have to at least make an attempt to uh, get out there and make a run at something. Yeah. Uh, and then very quickly, just again to give you props, or at least give you some optimism here, since you are a uh, noted Rams fan. I was talking to Mike Sando uh, the other day, and he said an underrated candidate for MVP at Dark Horse should be Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has done so much with uh, the team itself as far as the defense, as you mentioned, being atrocious. Yeah, he's got Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. But again, Cooper Cup's missed a large chunk of the season. The offensive line hasn't been great. Matt Stafford has been just unreal, and he's been going under the radar. I was I was glad to see him get tabbed for the Pro Bowl. I know the Pro Bowl is not always the uh, most reliable source of who's had a great year or not, but it was nice to see Matt Stafford at least get that nod there. No, it was, and he had a little bit of weird interception luck. Like, he had three touchdowns to, I want to say, five or six picks the first few weeks of the year, and only one of those was his fault, and everyone says, oh, well, this guy threw a bunch of interceptions, and really, Patrick Mahomes is a good example. You look at Mahomes' interceptions, he has, what, 14, but a lot of those aren't really on him. They're on a dropped pass, or they're on a receiver, or they're an arm punt, stuff like that. Like, interceptions and touchdowns are both, kind of contextual, but coming out of the bye, again, I I don't really know what clicked for the Rams. I think health was a part of it, but also Stafford elevating his play. So the MVP is all about peaking at the right time, and a perfect example is Brock Purdy. He he had a national uh, spotlight game where he could have locked it up, and instead he kind of wet the bed a little bit, and Lamar Jackson has done enough. Now I would say – this is one of the weakest MVP races I can remember. It kind of feels like a 2016 Matt Ryan whenever he won his. Yeah. And the numbers were good, but they weren't crazy. Not a great player, but a really good player. Um, obviously, Lamar better than him and will go down as a better player, I think. But the MVP race this year has definitely been kind of wonky. You, you don't think Tyreek Hill has a chance anymore? Cause they, again, I, I still might go with Tyreek just again. He's, he's only played in 15 games this year. 1,717 yards and 12 touchdowns. I mean, I understand. It's not necessarily the historical number. We were all thinking if he gets to 2K, he gets it. Mm-hmm. But 
they need a win, so I'm assuming he's going to play week 18. He gets 112 yards. Let's say he ends up with 1850. 1850 in 16 games. Is that enough for you to have serious consideration for Tyreek? I think for me it's the opposite of the Brock Purdy thing, where if people said, is Brock Purdy the MVP? I would say, well, to me, he's not providing the most value, but is he going to win it? Probably. And that was back when he was the the favorite. Tyree Kill, I don't think he's going to win it, but if I had to vote, he'd be on the very short list of guys because you look at the splits without him in that lineup. I like to, uh, I think that they have a good team with good players, obviously, but he raises the ceiling and gives them a floor that makes them a scary team. So I, I don't think there's necessarily, you can say Patrick Mahomes, obviously he's not firmly in the race right now. Among those that are up there, um, you take him off the team, it looks a lot different. So I have no bones to pick with the people that think Tyree Kill's like a, a top, top MVP candidate. Jordan Foote is our guest. Talking AFC now, Baltimore, obviously, they have the one-seed clinch. They are 13-3. and three. They are resting uh, the majority of their players. One, is that a good decision? They're going to now have two weeks off, right? Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of rust involved. We heard a lot about that during the baseball playoffs. Different sport, obviously, a little different there. But now they're going to have a lot of two weeks off between playing games. Uh, and the other thing is, are, are the Baltimore Ravens the team to beat overall, not just in the AFC, but in the NFL? They're playing at a very, very high level. I think they deserve it, um, regardless of whether they turn out to be or not. And I've seen a lot of the Lamar Jackson playoff, not even question marks, just people still hating on Lamar, calling him a running back, stuff like that. It, it kind of tells you who knows football and who doesn't, but there is some validity to it. He just hasn't got it done in the playoffs. And as someone who loves Lamar Jackson, I can't say they definitely are going to win the Super Bowl or definitely going to win the AFC until I see them in the playoffs and it looks good, but they haven't gotten blown out by teams they played a bunch of good squads on their schedule. They've looked great against them. The offense seems more foolproof. The defense, uh, I know Hamilton's been banged up, but they still look awesome. So they've been the most complete and most consistent team in football this year. They have a great quarterback who can elevate back into that elite conversation if he has a big playoff run. So Kansas City, again, every team in the AFC kind of has those warts that make you think the Chiefs could be talked into a playoff run. But if you uh, were forcing someone to bet or asking who the best team in that conference, and maybe the league is, I think that uh, Baltimore has done so much that they, they definitely have earned it. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Aaron Schatz, the founder and creator of Football Outsiders and DVOA. Just, uh, that was yesterday, actually. And he said the Ravens, I want to say, were top five all-time in DVOA um, this season, this season's uh, version, because they're so high offensively, defensively, offensively passing, as well as running the football. They're just a complete team. And actually, this was something I said earlier on this season. Uh, when the Ravens were struggling, when they were either winning or losing close games, you know, they kept stalling out in the red zone, I said, everyone, watch out. This Ravens team is about to explode. They were getting used to Todd Munkin's system. Well, now they're used to Todd Munkin's system, and they look incredible right now. I think it's a little dismissive when people talk about the uh, struggles of Lamar in the playoffs. I understand that he's not done it yet, but you can say that with every player until they actually do what they've never done it before. And the thing with the Ravens, this is clearly, at least in my opinion, 
clearly the best team Lamar has had to to head into the playoffs with the best weapons, the best wide receivers. Even without Mark Andrews, Isaiah likely has stepped uh, stepped up big. Um, I think this Ravens team is legitimately incredible. Uh, as far as what best case scenario is for Kansas City, who do you think the best matchup is for them to play in the wild card weekend? Yeah, so they still have a pretty wide range of possibilities. They can end up with Miami as the sixth seed in a rematch of a game from earlier this year. They can end up with Buffalo again in another rematch or those three teams at the bottom. They could play Houston. They can play Pittsburgh. They can play Indianapolis. Now, the range of how likely those are, I think it's uh, – uh, Buffalo and Miami towards the top, and that's just naturally a little bit more challenging. But you give me, of those three teams at the bottom, I think you would rather not play C.J. Stroud <laughs> now that he's back and, yeah. and how good he's been. So the ideal thing for them, the arguments of get the bad team, or sorry, the bad matchup out of the way against those good teams, you want to knock out Miami, you want to knock out Buffalo. I say no, man. This year, if you're the Chiefs, I'm ducking all the smoke I can. I'm getting as cupcake of a matchup I can. Yeah. In week one of the playoffs, I'm taking Gardner Minshew. You want to come in here and play, go ahead. C.J. Stroud, you're a little bit scary but haven't been there yet. The team is still extremely young. Pittsburgh, you guys are going to sneak in because Mike Tomlin just refuses to have a losing season. It's voodoo magic, baby. I mean, the, the quarterbacks they, they've been throwing out there have been horrendous. The offense has been atrocious. The game plan has been miserable offensively, and yet they still have won nine games in the tough, tough, tough AFC North. It's wild to me. It's ridiculous. Like, they must have ratified his contract with the NFL to where – He's just incapable of having a losing season. I think they had like an 8-8 eight and eight season, or maybe there was a tie in there where mm. it was a non-losing one. But still, with the quarterbacks he's had, even the year Big Ben was falling off a cliff and they were still playing decent football, like the Steelers are always going to have a competitive defense. They're always going to have well-built in the trenches. It's kind of the brand. It's kind of who they are. But, um, yeah, if I'm the Chiefs, I want one of those lower-seeded teams, and I want – a team that you should feel extremely confident about beating because, man, if you lose to one of them, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I have a feeling you duck that smoke temporarily. You see what your team looks like in a postseason environment. You get it done and you let somebody else take care of the uh, the tougher matchup in that first week. Jordan Foote is our guest. I would love to get your thoughts on this. How much do you value playoff experience because when you look at the current iteration in the AFC clearly it's it's Kansas City right uh yeah. Jacksonville they they did win a game last year right Trevor Lawrence came back and they uh uh, they beat the the Chargers. Miami, they haven't had hardly any playoff success since uh, basically 1972. Uh, Baltimore continuously gets to the playoffs, but then, of course, they don't get anything done. The Browns, obviously, no. Bills have had some relative success as far as they've won a game, but that's about it. Colts, no. Texans, no. And then Pittsburgh, not really in recent memory. You know, how much validity is there to you've had playoff success before that should continue because as the game speeds up, the game does not get too big for you? Yeah, I, I think the prior experience aspect is definitely a big deal. And like you said, the teams that do it 
and everyone says they haven't been there before. Like, so the teams that, you know, eventually did it. It <laughs> seems literally the first time that they break through with their team. Everyone says they haven't done it before, and they do now. Yeah. There's also a caveat to that in the teams that have had that postseason success before have had staying power, which is an indication of them being one of the best teams in the NFL. And the Chiefs in past seasons, everyone has said, okay, the Chiefs have been here X amount of times before. They have that experience. So the DNA is impressive, and it is important because when you're in a playoff environment and you're at home or you're on the road and there's a little bit of a breaking point, you're being challenged, you can dig into those prior experiences. But on the flip side, some teams that just recurringly make the playoffs or it's three out of four years, it's five out of six, it's seven out of ten, whatever it is, they just were built better. So you have to kind of separate the two. The Chiefs seem to have – a little bit of both. Now, this is obviously one of the lesser teams of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes era together, but having Reid, having Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, all those guys, plus that 2022 uh, rookie class that has done it, that does matter compared to, let's say, the Texans, the Steelers, the Colts, kind of. Um, it gives them a little bit of an extra edge, I think. How do you view the season overall for Kansas City, right? They they finished 10-6. It's been disappointing. The offense has not been what we thought it was going to be. The defense obviously has been better. They've been elite. They've been electric. They're 8-3 and three in conference, right, which is pretty dang, good, pretty dang good in the AFC. Their strength of victory is 450, which, again, not great, but not horrible, right? The Ravens' strength of victory is 529, while the Dolphins' 352. I believe that's the worst in the entire NFL um, Saints, I believe, are the only Saints and Giants are the only two teams worse. Um, you know, they they clinched their eighth straight AFC West title. H- how do you view this season for Kansas City? It's a double-edged sword because, on one hand, if you would have said before the year the Chiefs would have a top ten defense and they'd win, or they'd be able to rest their starters in Week 18. Now, let's people would say, okay, well, they won 14 games or whatever. If you said the Chiefs would go. 10 and 7 or 11 and 6 before the year, people would be a little bit iffy. Now, you can split that down the middle and say they played Miami and beat them. That's a really good team. Philly, they had a legitimate chance to. Green Bay, they had a legitimate chance. Buffalo, they had a legitimate chance. The only two straight up disappointing games where they just did not show up are the Raiders and Denver. And before the year, people said there could be a couple trap games mixed in there. So you can squint and see this Chiefs team being a 13, maybe even a 14-win team with a great defense and with an average-ish offense, you can give or take a little bit. But it's the process of how they've gotten here and how they haven't improved. Last year, a really young team, the special teams was messing up, there were turnover problems, and they said all year, wait until it clicks, we're, we're building, we're building, and then eventually it did this year it just isn't happening, and it's a lot more veterans. It's not as many uh, young players that haven't done it. So the DNA uh, of the Chiefs is a lot more consistent this year, and that's bad news for them. They still have a great defense. They still have enough talent to get it done. Um, so a lot of it just depends on the postseason. If the Chiefs went 17-0 and in the regular season but lost in the divisional round, it'd be a failure of a year. Conversely, if they went, let's say, 9-8, and eight, snuck in but won the Super Bowl, people would be happy. So it sure. really is at this point 
uh, going to come down to how they do over the next month. Uh, Jordan Foote is our guest. In regards to the Chiefs' wide receivers, we know that's been the issue. That has been the number one issue all season long. Sounds like a lot of the uh, starters, Rasheed Rice, looks like even MVS, they're going to be sitting. Um, you know, Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony, going to get a pretty hefty amount of snaps in Week 18. I keep saying Kadarius Tony might be, which is crazy to think about, because obviously between the ears, not great, right? He's made a lot of mental mistakes. We talked about in the first segment, me and Dylan saying, you know, it's the Chuck Knobloch, it's it's the yips. Um, but also, if there was a game-changing wide receiver, obviously at this point, Mike Evans ain't coming waltzing in through the uh, <laughs> through the room and, and coming to Kansas City this year, so you have what you have. If you're going to talk about talent and talent only, I think Kadarius Tony is the guy you point to. But he's not been able to do it and do it consistently ever in his career. Now, what do you think? Do you think that they've, you know, week 18, if things go right, do you think they're going to all of a sudden use him a decent amount in the playoffs? Or do you think that they just can't trust him anymore because of the between the ears issues? Yeah, I think it's the latter and the ship has sailed. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to move on from him in the offseason or they won't play him at all. In the playoffs, and I'm 100% with you, he is the most dynamic option they have among those guys for the most part. MVS can spaz for a couple big plays, but Cole Hardman is fast. But the agility and the speed and the things Tony can do when the ball gets in his hands, just fantastic. The problem is getting him from point A to point B, there's a lot of stuff. There's window dressing involved. He, he isn't a complete receiver despite the – Everyone clung to the deep ball where he adjusted his gloves against Jacksonville last year and said, oh, man, he's a vertical wide receiver. He He's literally around the line of scrimmage. Yeah. They won't run him on slants. The RPO game's a little iffy. A lot of orbit motion, the screen passes, stuff like that. Line him up at running back. You have to make a concerted effort to get him on the field. And when they're already going out of their way, and he rewards them by tipping passes into the air and dropping them and you know, making these mistakes, and on top of that, he's always injured, it makes it difficult. So the idea of Kadarius Tony, absolutely fantastic. I understand why they felt so highly about him coming into the year, and I understand why if he's back as, let's say, wide receiver five, wide receiver six next year, totally get it. But in a playoff environment, you could probably trust Richie James more, your guy. Yes. You could trust McCall Hardman more. You can trust, I hate to say it, MVS even a little bit more, Justin Watson, Rasheed Rice. So um, the ship may have sailed for him in terms of ever being a focal point, but I'm not willing to say the uh, ship has sailed in terms of him being in Kansas City. Yeah, I think I'm with you as far as you can't trust him. You can't even trust him to bat the ball down. You can't trust him (laughs) to line up correctly. So how are you going to trust him when one play could end your season? I I don't think you can. Um, He's Alberto Mondesi, man. Um, Oh, man. But I I think that might be the best comparison where you you see potential, you see this, that, the other. You see the um, athleticism, and you see the high-end optimistic viewpoint of a guy. But that might not be the realistic viewpoint of a guy. Uh, I think Tony and Mondesi might be shaking hands right now, pointing at each other. This is Spider-Man meme. Those two dudes might be about the exact same. As far as the offensive line is concerned, where do you go? Do you, do you keep 
Wanye Morris, who has been a little up and down, which is to be expected from a rookie left tackle? Or do you go back to Donovan Smith? Again, the caveat, Donovan Smith has to be healthy enough to play. But do you go with the veteran Donovan Smith, who's been heavily penalized and, quite frankly, slightly below average? Or do you roll with the unknown, to an extent, Wanye Morris? It's a tough one um, because Donovan Smith was a full participant in yesterday's practice and isn't practicing at all today. So you're like, okay, was that part of the plan? Is he healthy? He was limited one week. He didn't participate the next week. Like, it's been a series of ups and downs for him. Now, all things equal – even if he's healthy, I know Wanya Morris was a train wreck in week 16 in a game that pretty much everybody else was a train wreck for the most part. Um, thought he played a little bit better last week. Obviously, the Trey Hendrickson snap where he got beat and gave up a strip sack, that yeah. was pretty key play and kind of a, an encapsulation of the Chiefs season. With all of that in mind, Donovan Smith, and I, I believe it was Matty Lane at KCSN that brought this up, he hasn't been able to let games get wrecked all by himself. Now, Donovan Smith wasn't good when he was in the lineup, but the floor was higher. I think I'm still sticking with Wanye Morris, and there's not really anything he can do this week to sway me either way. I think he just is what he is. I don't believe in Donovan Smith being fully healthy. Now, tremendous depth if he is, but um, the Chiefs just have to – ride it out with him, and the downside of that is he won't get a ton of easy matchups in the playoffs. The Chiefs theoretically will play a lot better defenses on a week-to-week basis. So if Donovan Smith makes progress and he looks good, then great. But Wanda Morris, really, really impressive in the run game. I think good enough in the pass game to where if they are able to provide him a little bit of chip help a little bit more, um, that they should be okay. Jordan Foote is our guest in regards to the defense here. Teams have been taking advantage early on in games, you know, first quarter, bleeding into the second quarter of the Chiefs in the middle, right? They they, they take advantage of the safeties as well as the linebackers in coverage. Now, part of this is we're not seeing a lot of Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil played 38% of snaps last game, and part of that's because he's coming off of his concussion. The other part is I love Nick Bolton, but we know his weakness. His weakness is in pass coverage. But I also feel like as the game goes on, Nick Bolton understands. He is such a student of the game. He's so intelligent. You see Nick Bolton understand, all right, hey, I might not be the best pass coverage linebacker, but I saw what you did the first time. That ain't going to happen again. You're seeing also mm-hmm. Steve Spagnolo as the game goes on, first quarter into the second quarter. It's a feeling out process, but then as the game goes on, absolute nails. They are locked down, and of course, teams aren't taking uh, chances when you see Legarius Sneed and Trip McDuffie out there on the outside. So, what do you take away from this Chiefs defense as a whole as they go into the playoffs, especially as they have been susceptible? You know, I would say in the in the uh, the linebacker position against some tight ends and some slot receivers. Yeah, it's ironic that the Chiefs have invested multiple second-round picks and then a third-round pick and then a free agent contract at linebacker, and they still can't get uh, the mostly consistent production. Now, with that said, opposing teams in some games this year, I think the Lions at the beginning of the year, the Chargers had a game like that, maybe the Jets won, and then a few later in the year, they've started off in heavy personnel it's kept the Chiefs' base defense out there. And then if they don't keep in their base defense, they're more susceptible against the run. So it's a personnel trade-off. But because the defense is so good, because Steve Spagnuolo has probably 
the deepest personnel group, even when Nick Bolton was hurt, even with Brian Cook being injured, um, stuff like that, he can mix and match throughout the game. Now, the downside to that, even if you do trust the defense to improve over the game, even if you do think that the adjustments are going to pay off, if the offense gets down, let's say, 10 zip, and that's not to say it isn't impossible because they've overcome that this year, but in a playoff environment, if they do have to go on the road, if they are playing a Baltimore or if they are even playing a Buffalo at home, you go down in a playoff environment, it is different. They've done it this season. Yes, the sample size isn't great. This team just isn't built to come from behind. They're built to stay in the game and then shut it down or have a couple efficient drives and then not coast, but at least preserve. So the defense, ideally, if you're the Chiefs, you would like it to start better um, because if the offense gets dug into a hole, it's more difficult to see them coming out of it. But um, like you said, not worried too much at all about the game-to-game viability of the defense or quarter-to-quarter. Um, but you do think that they'd want to see that kind of start a little bit quicker in those games. Why is this Chiefs team built like the 2013 Seahawks? <laughs> like, 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 why is this team built on defense and secondary, and then you have a great quarterback but, like, no receivers? It's weird, and I it's kind of... Marshawn Lynch and Isaiah Pacheco even run similar. Now, again, yeah. Marshawn Lynch is better, but, like, it's just hilarious. <laughs> You're looking at this, and I'm like, wait a minute. What, what does this team remind me of? This team reminds me of the 2013 Seahawks. Well, and then even the Seahawks team, like, you can see in a playoff game the Chiefs being at the goal line, and then they throw it to MVS or Kadarius Tony instead of just punching the ball in. Like, the parallels, <laughs> the parallels are there. Uh, needless to say... It's just weird. This is one of the, I don't know if it's the the zeroth percentile, but it might be like the 10th percentile for the wide receiver room. Kadarius Toney didn't stay healthy, didn't pan out. MVS regressed. Justin Watson was banged up a little bit. Justin Ross never made an impact. Sky Moore never clicked for him. They had to bring in McCall Hardman. Then McCall Hardman got hurt. Richie James was in and out of the lineup. So everything that could have went wrong, did go wrong, and then you mix that with Travis Kelsey being banged up and just calling it how it is. He's older now. Patrick Mahomes. How being a dare you bit. say that they're older now? How I know, dare it's like you? Age, it's like people get older as they age. That is a crazy concept. <laughs> um, but then Mahomes being a little bit iffy sometimes. Andy Reid either preserving things that he doesn't want to reveal or not having answers. It's a perfect storm of things and here we are the Chiefs are still one of the better teams in the AFC the Chiefs have been in most of the games they've lost the Chiefs have the ceiling to win a Super Bowl still but the problem is that floor is a lot lower and it's going to take a lot more breaking right and a lot less mistakes if that team's going to hit that ceiling all right before I let you go here I want to talk to you about the Pro Bowl all-pro just the meeting, the meeting between those two, because, again, I, I've always been on the case that I think All-Pro obviously is the more valuable. But, again, when you look back on players' careers, most of the time, and again, it's changed a little bit, but you always say and start off by saying, well, how many Pro Bowls did they go to? And mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing guys who get in for name recognition alone, like Jalen Ramsey played in nine games this year. 
Uh, Derrick Henry is running for 3.9 yards a carry and, quite frankly, might be the second-best running back on the Titans this season. Again, not saying that Derrick Henry has not had a prolific career. I'm saying this season he's not been very good. You're like, ETN deserves it way more than he does. I'm not even saying Pacheco. I'm saying like guys like ETN. Then you go to the secondary, and again, Jalen Ramsey. He's not in, or he is in playing nine games, and somehow Legereus Sneed, who's locked down everyone, is not. What is your takeaway on Pro Bowl and the meaning behind it? It's a popularity contest. And I did an article on Arrowhead Report this morning um, kind of saying it's imprudent to imply that, like, Pro Bowl stuff is going to impact the Jerry Sneed's contract negotiations in the future. Like, a team isn't going to say, well, man, you missed out on the Pro Bowl, so you must suck. But all pro stuff, I'm with you, all pro matters. All pro, it's a more and this isn't me saying that fans don't know ball, but it's like a more esteemed uh, conglomerate of people that are voting for it. It's limited space and stuff like that. I think it's more important. So I'm with you. He still has a chance, and I think that there's a a decent likelihood that he could make an all-pro and everything is hunky-dory. But at the same time, you are missing out on that accolade. You're missing out on the opportunity when you retire and people say, oh, man, is this guy a Hall of Famer, stuff like that, and this isn't saying Legere Seed's going to be in that combo, but in a general sense, you want to look at Pro Bowls. You want to look at how many times a guy made it. You want to look at how many in a row. You want to look at his prime. Um, That stuff does matter. I know the first thing I look for when I log on to a football reference uh, player page is that top right where it gives you the accolades, and Legarius Sneed isn't going to have one this year because of that, unless it is an all-pro. So I agree with you. I think that it's kind of bogus, but at the same time, it is one of those things that people do care about. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where I saw it put perfectly in my uh, in my uh, Twitter account the other day. It was uh, guys get in a year later than they should, and they uh-huh. stay a year later than they should. Like like Javarius Ward probably should have made, should have probably made it last year, but he made it this year. Bobby uh, Wagner's in the Pro Bowl, dude. He's not even the best linebacker on the team. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, he's man. old and and <laughs> I hate to say, but he's washed up. Why is this happening? Uh, you know, he's not washed up. That is Jordan Foot. This guy has begun. <laughs> he's not even begun to peak. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Foot Noted. That's F O O T E Noted. He's the deputy editor of Arrowhead Report. And if you like Royals talk, make sure you check him out. Co-host of One Royal. Way KCSN Foot. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Uh, we will take a break. Come back. Home stretch, ESPN, Kansas City. You know what's sad but true? Not just this song. What's sad but true is the Chiefs need to rely on their defense and Harrison Butker to, to make their way to a Super Bowl. That's sad but true. Great song, man. Uh, what's your favorite Metallica song? I'm going one. I know I know one's a very popular Metallica song, but... It's not like saying Enter Sandman, though. Yeah, that's, so. that, yeah no, it's, I'm out on that. Man. One one so good, dude. No? Are you looking through Metallica songs right now? I have all of them here. Ride the Lightning's also great. For Whom the Bell Tolls really yeah, gets me going, yeah, too. Yeah, you found it. That was the one. Yeah. I was trying to think of the one that 
I tried to use as my walkout. Time marches on. College. Because I didn't want to be the tool that uses Enter Sandman. Tools and a great band also. It's a good band. Uh, but if you're a poser and try and be Mariano as yeah, like you're, a you're, you're, junior you know. college middle reliever, then it's kind of tough. So I tried to do For Whom the Bell Tolls because it's a sweet intro. Yeah, it's Very sick. similar. Yeah. but That's yes, a good one. That's a good song. Ride the Lightning's also just badass. You should have done one. One would have been cool when it gets to the double bass part. I know Lars is not There's great. There's a lot drum, of they have a yeah. bunch of good ones. Fuel. Give me fuel. Give me Best five. Walk give me up, though. Snoop Dogg, Who Am I? What's My Name? No. I heard it. No. And it was You're wrong. Best. It was a DH. It was about 300 pounds, and it just fit perfect. Sorry. Um, the best song of all time for a closer. Oh, a closer. I'm talking about batter. Sure. God's going to cut you down. Oh, yeah, obviously. And that's also, trust me when I say this, as far as every like, single like, every single team had one kid that had that song. Yeah, that's lame. You gotta, you have to be. It has to be original. Well, you got to be like. the first time that was played for a closer. The badass. So the most awesome. badass thing yeah. of all time. I have to think what my walk-up song would be. I don't know. I'll think about it sometime. I've done it before. Uh, Chiefs news. Chiefs are signing Isaiah Bugs uh, to the practice squad. So um, Isaiah Bugs, according to Tim, uh, Tom Pelissario, is uh, going to be joining the Chiefs practice squad. Uh, veteran defensive lineman from uh, Detroit. If I'm not mistaken, he actually was inactive against the Chiefs when they played Detroit Week One. Uh, but he is a big dude. Isaiah Bugs is six three, three thirty five, twenty seven years old. He would play next to uh, Chris Jones on the interior. He has one sack this year in ten games. Isaiah Bugs on the Chiefs practice squad. I actually like this pickup. I was surprised Detroit released him. Um, he's on and off the roster, the 53 all, all season long, or at least as far as active on game day, only playing 10 games. But I liked Isaiah Bugs. I thought he brought something to the table. You know, a lot of Detroit fans last year were saying he's really good in the as, as a run stuffer, where Derek Nottie has struggled all season long. Turk Wharton has not flashed. You know, you've been playing Matt Dickerson. You've been trying anything, right? You've been trying anything alongside Chris Jones at the other defensive tackle spot. I wonder if Isaiah Bugs would get the nod. You, they've tried Mike Pinnell in the year 2024. I guess technically 2023 was the last time he played. Mike Pinnell's been getting PT. I wonder if Isaiah Bugs would ever get a nod. Uh, other news, uh, Dalvin Cook cleared waivers. He is now a free agent. Dalvin Cook did not get picked up. He was waived by the Jets. He is now officially a free agent. Dylan, Dalvin Cook, any chance you want to see him in KC? Why not? Why not? I'm out, man. It's Le'Veon Bell time. Th- this reminds me too much of Le'Veon. Now, fewer, a little, fewer, little more recent, more calm, right? more calm. Yeah, and you're right. You're correct. More recent. He had a thousand yards last year. Yeah, but there's a reason why they let him go for Alexander Madison, who's not very good. There's a reason why the Jets said, "Yeah, Brees Hall, who's even coming off of a, a major knee injury, we still want to give him the bulk of the carries." I don't think Devin Cook has a ton left in the tank. Feel bad. But time stops for no man. I like the way the Chiefs have used Isaiah and even to an extent Clyde. We will be back tomorrow 
from 3 to 4 until then, we are out.